All right, welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Michael Rand via Zoom to discuss the twists and turns of the Vikings free agency as they enter week two. With still some moving parts, we're going to discuss all that happened in week one. And even though, Ben, we were ready to record on Thursday as they were introducing their first wave of free agents, and then word comes down that ah, Marcus Davenport's deal is not quite done at this point. Uh, you reported that they were still working through some contract terms. They did finalize that deal by Friday, and you've got the entire contract. Um, so with them bringing in this edge rusher, we do know he will be playing for the Vikings in 2023. Um, what about that contract? Let's start there. What about his deal stood out to you? It's an interesting way that they did this, and I'd be very curious to know what the original arrangement of this was because, yeah, he – He's supposed to be at the press conference on what day was that? It's all running together. Thursday, right? Wasn't that Thursday? Um, he's supposed to be introduced with Byron Murphy and uh, Josh Oliver. They're kind of three free agent acquisitions. And at first, they push the press conference back an hour, and then they say, "Well, it's just going to be Murphy and Oliver." And you know, I, I remember they they walk into the room, and I kind of just had this puzzled look on my face, and. I uh, I followed up with a couple of people later, and they're like, yeah, he's still working through cap issues. They're still trying to figure out the way this deal is supposed to be arranged. And so I said, well, so that 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 look I shot you <laughs> was uh, was justified uh, when I was confused by what was going on in this press conference. He said, yeah, it was. Um, but they basically, I think, had to figure out a way to get his deal on the cap and put the cash in his pocket that they had promised. So the interesting thing here is, he has a million dollar workout bonus to start with. That is the highest workout bonus I've seen in quite a while for a Vikings player. So obviously they want him here early. They want him working with their strength staff and then with their their player performance staff right away to get him in. And then he has had a lot of injuries over the years. So the per game roster bonuses for him are up to $2 million this season. So uh, that is similar to what they did with Zadarius Smith last year, who was coming off injuries of his own. But the workout bonus plus the per-game roster stuff, they are giving themselves as many ways to hedge here as they can in the event that he gets hurt. And then he gets an $8.5 million signing bonus, and they put four void years in there. So $6.8 million of that bonus would hit the cap next year instead of this year, which was the way that they were able to get a lot of this underneath the cap. But yeah, kind of a kind of an interesting construction of this. It's not just a simple, hey, here's $13 million. I mean, that's what the deal works out to is $13 million. But it comes to him in all these different pockets of money, which was both them trying to protect themselves from the cap stuff and trying to protect themselves in terms of his injury risk. So they get it done. Um, it, it's on the cap now. But, uh, yeah, kind of an interesting set of arrangements to hedge and and get the guy they wanted without uh, putting themselves into much of a leveraged position there. Yeah, for the basic stuff for him, for those who don't know, Marcus Davenport was a former first-round pick by the Saints in 2018. They traded up from 27 to 14 to get him. Uh, six foot six, went up to 280 pounds for them, and is just really one of those freak athletes that you hear talked about to the point where now the Vikings have three of them and Daniel Hunter, um, Marcus Davenport and Zadarius Smith currently on the roster to start this week. 
But with Davenport, he played out a fifth-year option last year for the Saints, and they let him walk in part, Ben, because of all those injuries that you talked about. And yeah. I wanted to walk through those injury lists because it's – I was struck by how much it was for him, and obviously football's ridiculous. But uh, 2018, his rookie year, he had a turf toe, missed three games. 2019, his second year, started 13 games, missed the final three – or missed three games in there with a Liz Frank injury. Uh, 2020 had elbow injury, toe injury, concussion, missed five games, 2021, he had a shoulder and pec injury that plagued him throughout the year to the point where before last year, he underwent two shoulder surgeries before the start of the season, uh, and ended up missing, I believe part of the year to a calf injury eventually, uh, last year. He also been is the second Vikings player in recent memory to have a partial pinky finger amputation. Now, <laughs> Kevin McDermott, the long snapper for the Vikings, did not get that done by choice, but Marcus Davenport did. Uh, he apparently had an issue with a college injury that led to a plate needing to get put into that finger uh, about a year ago. And then that, it, I believe that surgery led to other further surgeries because of complications and infections with that plate in the finger led to a partial left pinky finger amputation. So in a game of inches, Ben, the Vikings got a pass rusher who, uh, you know, just just might be a just short, depending yeah. on where he's reaching. Yeah, I mean it's uh, quite a <laughs> quite a list of injuries, and you certainly see players that have quite a few of them over the course of their careers. But yeah, it, it, quite a, a menagerie of body parts there, I guess. So, I mean, that is one of the questions with him: is can he stay healthy? Can he stay on the field? And and that's kind of the, the world the Vikings are playing in in free agency at the moment when you don't have a ton of cap space you have to gamble on these types of players who don't get as much in terms of guaranteed money you don't get as much in terms of length of contract because those things are questions and they know that with him and and Byron Murphy's had some of those issues as well uh back issue back injury last year that limited him I think to seven or eight games but um yeah I mean these things are are kind of where they're playing at the moment and the bet is that they can figure out how to keep these guys on the field and keep them productive throughout the course of the season. Yeah. You brought up the workout bonus for Davenport. That's one way to ensure he's going to be in the building going through all those processes. Right. And so yep. you, you bring up the training staff. That's obviously one way that they're looking to find value. They need to financially, but another way they're looking to find value is through that training staff and trying to find parts that maybe other teams are going to stay away from and think, no, we can get the most out of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, that training staff has been lauded over the last number of weeks. The NFLPA survey that ranked the Vikings number one in the league had a lot of things to say about the training staff. And I, that is in part because they were a big change from the previous staff. There were a lot of players that had a lot of issues with the previous staff, as we've talked about. And and that survey mentions that, that the change in athletic trainers was a big part of the reason that the Viking scores were so high is that you know, there were a number of longtime players, I think, that were relieved about the change. And then they liked the new staff quite a bit. But there is a bet on guys like Tyler Williams and Uriah Myrie, uh to get players healthy, keep them on the field and keep them performing at a high level. Josh Hinks, they're uh, one of the strength coaches is a big part of this as well. I mean, the, the whole staff is, is um, pretty highly regarded and they certainly think they have an advantage with that group. And if you can get guys like these who have had injury risks, but clearly have talent to stay on the field, 
that certainly does prove to be an advantage because it is it's a hard sport to have your entire roster available all season. They they were fairly healthy for most of last season, and you know there's a lot of talk about injuries having a randomness to them, and, and certainly some of them do. But I think the trying to keep soft tissue injuries to a minimum, I think, is an area where they feel like they have a way of going about it that's going to help. Yeah, and to illustrate the upside of Marcus Davenport and clearly what the Vikings see in him to guarantee $10 million, um, his former teammate Cameron Jordan was quoted as saying, Marcus is a physically blessed athlete that's shown flashes of how good he can be when healthy. And this year, and he was referring to 2021, will be the year to affirm the flashes that he has shown can be a constant. He, he went out and won at a, at a pass rush win rate that was among top 10 in pass rushers that year, had nine sacks. That was the year that uh, really felt like it was his peak, um, at least with how his teammates were talking about him uh, before last year. It was just an up and down year to the point where coaches just kind of limited his role by the end of it. And it, it seemed that those injuries were taking a toll on him. Um, Mike, what do you think in general about that being kind of their biggest move uh, so far and, and just kind of how this free agency is unfolded on defense as we're talking about him and Byron Murphy? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. I think Ben was making a good point about how, you know, this is kind of where they're sitting right now with their cap situation. And, and frankly, if if you've got a, you know, if your options are, you know, sign a, a mediocre player for a certain price or sign someone with high, you know, high ceiling, low floor to see what happens. I think this is a good year to kind of bet on the latter. I mean, maybe you want some more certainty if you've got a certain kind of roster and maybe a little bit more uh, money to spend. But I, I like that. I like the idea of, of taking a swing on someone like this. The, the injury history is pretty interesting, though. And, it, and I think Ben's right. It is a pretty big. It is a pretty big bet on their own medical staff, their own evaluations, and whether they get more, keep help him keep help keep him on the field more. To the point of um, this defensive turnaround, Marcus Davenport is a big addition, but Byron Murphy is one that we should spend probably just as much time talking about because he is the only corner on that roster that has started more than two games right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, he's 25. He counts Patrick Peterson as a mentor, and he can maybe step in as the senior citizen in that cornerback group this year. Kind of a a strange turnaround how quickly that <clears throat> has come about. But, yeah, certainly a guy that is going to be counted on for a lot because they don't have a proven corner other than him right now. I mean, they, they have two picks in Andrew Booth and a Caleb Evans that they like a lot, but you have to figure out if those guys can play. They cut Cameron Dantzler in free agency because I mean, we we could kind of see that being a possibility. He was due to make three million dollars. Certainly had fallen out of favor with this coaching staff, and you know that one. If he wasn't going to be part of this, it seems like it was probably a necessary thing to do. But now you are in a spot where you need Byron Murphy to come in and be a dependable number one corner in a lot of ways, both in terms of his ability to stay on the field and his ability to perform. He fits better probably with what Brian Flores likes to do with the man coverage stuff and uh, probably better than Patrick Peterson does at this point in his career. But you need a lot from him and you need it pretty quickly because they have to get everybody else up to speed. And if that doesn't happen in due time, I don't quite know where you go because uh, that position is never an easy one to kind of just put it together and fake it in the NFL. And 
certainly won't be getting any easier with the schedule they have, including all of those AFC West quarterbacks this year. Yeah, Byron Murphy was a second-round pick by the Cardinals and somebody who can play in the slot and play outside. Um, he had played most almost every game through the first three years before last year, as, as you mentioned, that back injury he had. Um, we asked about him at the, the introductory press conference for him. He claims he's 100% and ready to go, which is good news for them. He obviously cleared the physical to sign that contract, which Marcus Davenport eventually did as well. Um, but they need him so badly, and he gives that versatility. And, Ben, I thought it was interesting that during Brian Flores' press conference, he mentioned multiple times how big he is on that versatility of being able to move guys around and we hear that so much that I think sometimes to me anyway, it can become lip service. But um, when you look at Brian Flores defenses of the past, you've seen that he's used guys like this and truly move them into different positions. And Patrick Peterson actually put voice to it too, when he was talking about going to the Steelers where Brian Flores just came from um, and saying that these defenses truly do that kind of movement thing that um, I covet and really want to be a part of. And I think Brian Flores is going to bring that kind of aggressive mentality where he's going to match guys on other guys, let guys shadow people, um, let multiple guys defend and play the slot um, in ways that we see some of their safeties be flexible enough to do as well. But Brian Murphy is a 25-year-old quick twitch corner, 5'11", the kind of guy that they really didn't have on the roster when you look at some of the longer-limbed Caleb Evans and Andrew Booth guys that they've got. Um, Mike, are you with us again? Are, are you able to join us on this podcast? I am. I don't know what happened before. You guys hear me now? I can. No problem. But when, what did you think of the Byron Murphy edition and just their current state? Because we had mentioned earlier that he's he's the most experienced corner. He's the only one that started more than two games currently on the roster. That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, it was, you know, it, it was going to be a problem area no matter what. But it, it got interesting when, when Patrick Peterson obviously went to uh, Pittsburgh and when they when they decided this to move on from the Cameron Dantzler experience and I'm I'm sure there's more to come whether it's the draft whether it's re-signing some of their some of their own guys uh, you know Duke Shelley still uh, a possibility I would imagine right I don't know where they sit with him right now um, correct me if I'm wrong if he's gone somewhere else at this point or if he's still kind of sitting there and I thought he was decent last year but uh, the Murphy thing is is interesting I think the, per, the, the positional versatility stuff is is interesting. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see what kind of role they might have for Cam Bynum next year. If that's someone they see some flexibility with a guy who, you know, safety got some slot corner potential, things like that. If there's maybe a different role, if they want to see Lewis seen play more safety or even Josh Metellus. So I, I think they've got some pieces there, but yeah, there, there's not a lot of known commodities there. And I think that's probably, even if they do add some more veteran help, they're, they're probably going to be looking pretty thin and young secondaries. Yeah, Mike, when we look about, or when we talk about things that they still need, um, they, they made those three big additions in Marcus Davenport, Byron Murphy, a corner, and then Josh Oliver, a blocking tight end. They get him kind of on the cheap for this year. Anyway, uh, eventually that deal's that deal's going to average out to, to two for 14 or something like that over the next couple of years. But, um, they really haven't added at other places like wide receiver. They could still um, stand to add a couple corners, uh, linebacker. They, they could probably use uh, some depth there as well. But Mike, when we see um, Adam Thielen go off and sign with the Carolina Panthers on Sunday night, um, the Vikings stand here still with that hole in their roster and uh, having no veteran depth at this point. And they, I think too, 
people just kind of ended last year thinking they needed to get faster uh, at some of those spots outside of Justin Jefferson. Um, so what do you think about their current state of wide receiver? And really, when you look around the market, there's not a whole lot for them to add right now in free agency. No, there isn't. And, you know, it kind of feels like, you know, I think I joked about this on daily delivery last week, but it kind of feels like the, you know, Quasi and, and Kevin O'Connell came in with this notion of a, of a competitive rebuild. And it feels like 2022 is the competitive part and 2023 was the rebuild part. It just kind of feels like they've decided that they're going to, they're going to live with a certain amount of pain this year. Not that they're not going to try to compete this year, but maybe they've got, they've got it in their heads that, that they're going to have to take some lumps this season and, and kind of restock. They don't have a ton of draft picks. They don't have a ton of cap space. There's only so much they can do. And so I think they're trying to put together as good of a team as they possibly can. But I think there's going to be a lot of youth, a lot of flyers on guys uh, like, like Marcus Davenport to see if they can play. But uh, it, it's going to be a work in progress, kind of a, a see how this goes more than uh, way more than 2022. I think so as well, um, because you're, you're just seeing them kind of have to do these bargain uh, deals and free agency. And as these second and third waves come to round out the roster before the draft, uh, even into June, after they finally get these guys on the field and start uh, realizing, boy, we really need X, Y, or Z, um, you're not going to see them make kind of big swing additions at some of these help spots in part because they're paying Kirk Cousins as much as they're paying him. Uh, we have not spoken to you guys since the Vikings did a, a salary uh bonus conversion, I should say, with Cousins to free up a bunch of money. And Ben, with Cousins doing that, what did that tell you about the Vikings' plans at quarterback? Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting in the sense that every other time they have needed to solve cap issues with Kirk Cousins' help, they have given him more years on his contract as a result of that. They technically did it here but not really. They put two more void years on his deal. So he now has four voids on the deal. Um, his actual contract expires after 2023. And then all of the void money would hit the cap next year. Basically all it does is push more money off of his, he had a roster bonus due for $20 million. They took basically 16 million of that and pushed it off of their cap for this year. And then when, if he is off the roster next year, that 16 million will come back onto their 2024 cap. In addition to the other void year money they had in there previously. So he'll have like a 28 and a half million dollar cap charge for 2024. Even if he's not on the roster, the fact that they were willing to do that tells you they want to keep their options open at that position. I don't think it's, out of the question that they bring him back, they could bring out some other type of deal and rework some of these things. And you'd still have some of this, you know, this dead money to manage and to move around a little bit, but they could still sign him to a new deal. But the, the sense I've gotten is that they didn't want to commit as long as what he was looking for. It, it's sort of been this thing where they've been willing to do shorter term deals. He's been willing to do short term deals because he's been fine with, the leverage that that gets him in terms of guarantees this time, it seems like they were almost moving in different directions. They wanted something shorter. He wanted something longer. My understanding is that 2025 was the issue. The question of how long would everybody guarantee it for? I think he wanted 25. They were like, well, we're not, we don't want to commit quite that long. He'd be 37 
before the 2025 season. So, you know, it gets to be a little bit later in the game than you might want to fully guarantee a quarterback deal. Derek Carr just got two years of full guarantees and then another year of partial guarantees uh, from the Saints. Could have done that, but Derek Carr is also a little bit younger. And I think the Vikings were hesitant about doing it that way. So it's possible that at the end of this year, Cousins gets a little bit of a chance to survey the market, see what other teams think of him, and see what his market would be, and then comes back to the Vikings and says, okay, um, there, there's still a way to get this done. I, I don't think this necessarily means that they are drafting a quarterback in round one this year. I don't think it necessarily means that Kirk Cousins is gone. I do think it is notable that this has changed in the sense of the long-term certainty at that position, which – you know, say what you want about Kirk Cousins. They have enjoyed that for the last five years. I mean, he's been more consistently available to them and a more consistent performer as a starter than anybody they've had since Dante Culpepper. Um, yeah, maybe that's damning with faint praise, but they are at least willing to look at the possibility of, you know, do we go to a bridge starter? Do we go to a, a younger quarterback? They're willing to look at their options in conjunction with Kirk Cousins rather than just committing to him for the next three or four years. I did hear too, the, the third year thing. And that was interesting to me that it seemed that they just couldn't find that middle ground in ways that they could last year, even, you know? Um, And it seemed like Kirk wasn't willing to do anything short of a last, I guess for lack of a better word, cash out, you know, his last big deal, I guess. Yep. Um, And I had also heard that he wasn't asking for 40. He wasn't asking for that much right? in terms of what Daniel Jones got, uh, who's obviously much younger, but much less accomplished. Um, I, I don't think cousins camp was kind of surprised, I guess, from what I heard at the, at the Vikings um, not jumping or at least accepting more of what they were asking for. And so they remain at that impasse. And that's kind of why we're at that point that it seems like he's going to play out this deal and they hit, Ben, that you know more of the salary cap mechanisms than I do, but that to me seemed like more of a last second or last ditch option to create cap space that we're going to spread this out over two years, therefore, and then add void years. Therefore, we don't have to rely on you to yeah. uh, continue our, our cap solving. Yeah, I mean, all of these short-term deals have kind of been designed to bring everybody back to the table every couple of years and say, well, this third year number on this contract. I mean, he had the one where it was $45 million and it was like, there's no way in the world he's going to be here at that number. They're going to have to work something out. It has designed, it's been designed to bring them back to the table. He has not been in the habit of saying, um, okay, I'll take less than a market rate deal from what you're talking about. It sounded like there may have been a little more willingness to do that this time around, but it's also been about the guaranteed money. And I think, He's had a lot of guaranteed money and certainly was looking for that again here. The Vikings just didn't want to do it at the moment. And and I don't even think that it's, I I would not look at this as Kevin O'Connell has soured on him or uh, the, the, the team has soured on him in any real sense. I think this has a lot to do with the fact that he's going to be 35 years old. I mean, that is an undeniable reality and, not everybody is going to be Tom Brady. And I don't think he 
has plans to be Tom Brady. And I, I think, you know, we kind of got into this habit of, well, quarterbacks all play till they're 45 now. No, Tom Brady played till he's 45. Aaron Rodgers will be 40 in December. And Aaron Rodgers looked like he had lost a, a little bit of his, uh, the top of his game last year. So it is, I think that served as a reminder of why you don't just kind of blithely assume that, oh, every quarterback can play forever now because the rules are easier and all, all this stuff. But they are, but not everybody is going to have all of their capacity in the late thirties that they had in the early thirties or the late twenties. And when this game has such small margins between we got it done and we didn't, you know, sometimes you just don't want to make that bad. And the other piece of this is that they haven't had this idea of a young quarterback on a rookie contract for a long time. And I think there is some um, intrigue in the building with that idea of what would it look like if we had, you know, this kind of financial hack of we're paying a starting quarterback seven, eight million dollars a year rather than 30. And we're getting that level of production. If you get that guy right, that's a big yeah. But if you get it right, that certainly is intriguing, I think, to some of the people in the building. Yeah, Mike, what what would you think if the Vikings were only paying Justin Jefferson quarterback money and not an actual quarterback? I mean, Ben's to Ben's point, you got to get it right, right? Like I, I've been intrigued with that idea for a while, and and frankly, wish they would have maybe started this process a little sooner. Although Ben, how soon we forget the Kellen Mond? They did have a guy yeah. on a rookie contract, although that was, they they didn't it didn't work. I mean, that was a third round pick. That's you know that's somewhere between a flyer and getting serious about it. At least you know seeing what what he could do, and that just didn't work out. They and got to see it, him every day. They did get to see. Him. They got to see him every day, and that's why they didn't want to see him anymore. Um, their last, you know, their last real swing at this was 2014 when they drew when they, no, 2013, right? When they drafted Teddy Bridgewater. 14? 14. Yep. Yeah, 14, sorry. When they drafted Bridgewater and you know, made him the starter essentially halfway through the year and then went to the playoffs the next year. And they were kind of, you know, that was kind of Mike Zimmer's dream, right? Like it was he loved that. He loved that he could pay his defense and he had a game manager at quarterback who was a nice person who he liked, um, uh, you know, an aside, like, I don't think Zimmer was ever the same after Teddy got hurt. I just feel like that was a real yeah. kind of a kind of div- dividing point in the, uh, in, in the Zimmer tenure. Cause that led them to Sam Bradford, which led them to uh, Kirk cousins, which led him to uh, not have a job anymore. But I, I, I digress. You do have to get it right. And I think it is intriguing, even as much as the cap is projected to go up. Like if you have a guy who you get it right on a rookie scale quarterback and he's good by 2024, 2025, 2026 when the cap is over 300 million and you're paying a quarterback 8 8 million dollars a year, that's a lot that you can spend on a Super Bowl caliber roster around that quarterback for that kind of two or three two or three year window where you know what you've got but you're not paying for it yet. And I do think it was interesting to hear the Vikings talk about this um, at the combine this earlier this month about how Quasey talked about how Kirk meets the thresholds for winning um, almost being uh, defensive about where they stand with Kirk uh, right ahead of them, not necessarily wanting to push the bag into the center of the table for him as he waits for that last one. And I, I just, I think it's quite a crossroads for this franchise. And Ben, as you talk about the younger quarterback option, 
Um, I think that has a lot to do with where they're at on this roster. And especially with some guys, whether it's Christian Derisaw or Justin Jefferson, or guys that are going to continue commanding pay because they have hit on some of these draft picks that allow them to be as competitive as they are right now. Um, in free agency that so far they've re-signed nine guys. They brought in the three that we talked about earlier, and they've really only had to move on so far from two major contributors, long-term contributors and Adam Thielen and Eric Kendricks. Uh, ben Zadarius Smith is still under contract. Dalvin Cook is still under contract. The Vikings are towing the salary cap line for 2023 with these contracts and really juggling a lot of them um, as they add void years to some of them as well. Uh, where do you want to start with the uncertainties uh, that face this team right now? Well, I think there are a couple of almost redundancies on the roster at the moment. Like you signed Marcus Davenport. They listed him as an outside linebacker, which was interesting. He has been a 4-3 defensive end his entire career, uh, as Daniel Hunter had been playing in a 4-3 before last year. So that sort of tells you they are planning for him to do the same thing in this scheme that Daniel Hunter did. So then you ask, well, okay, Daniel Hunter, Marcus Davenport, Zadarius Smith, are you planning to have all three of those guys on the field at the same time? I mean, certainly there's nothing saying you can't, and and that may be an attractive thing. I mean, in the it's one of those positions that's like corner, to use the Mike Zimmer phrase, just one more is never a bad idea. So maybe that's the plan, but the fact that Zadarius Smith has – hinted fairly strongly that he is not planning to be here. And the fact that Daniil Hunter is a free agent after this year makes you wonder if, if they are planning a move yet, I would think with Zedarius Smith more so than Hunter at the moment, but it has felt like something was going to happen there. They let Smith. I mean, they, they kept Smith on the roster until his $5.05 million guarantee on his base salary hit. For this year, so that's they're they're locked in that money unless they were to trade him. So that is there, but it does feel like a little bit of a redundancy there. And then the the Dalvin Cook Alexander Madison situation is very interesting to me. I I don't think that Alexander Madison would have signed here that quickly if he didn't think he was going to be a bigger piece of the offense because that basically is a two year guaranteed deal, which not a lot of running backs got, but. I also wonder if he would have explored the market if he thought, well, I'm sick on, I'm coming back to the same role that I've always had here because it, it's been no secret that he wants to be a starter or wants to be a bigger piece of an offense than he's been. He had a career low in carries last year. So I think if he thought I was coming back to same old, same old, I'm not sure he signs that deal as quickly as he does. The fact that he did and the fact that the Vikings did it has made me wonder if they see a change at that position coming. Now, again, Dalvin Cook is here. He had a $2 million guarantee, which I think was a moot point because he had the shoulder surgery, which meant the money that was guaranteed for injury anyway was probably going to be in his pocket. So they could they could wait and make a trade with him later. But the fact that both of those guys are here and there are somewhat replacements for them on the roster is is kind of interesting. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me anyway. And I'm I'm the layman. I'm the uh, obviously the outsider in terms of not understanding and I'm not getting paid to build an NFL team. But the Minnesota Vikings currently have cap charges for their backfield, including fullback CJ Ham, who you will find no bigger fan of than me. Um, Twenty three million, I think, in cap charges for that backfield. That is 49ers level. 
what are they doing, Mike? I don't know. I it, it is very interesting. I mean, I think I think the two things here are, you know, one going back to Zadarius for a second. Like the, I think part of the reason this was so surprising is when you heard Davenport's name emerge, you're like, okay, that's the that's the Smith, you know, that's the Zadarius Smith replacement. And his contract seemed so cuttable before the the five million hit the books. Like he had compared, you know, comparatively, he had very little dead cap versus cap savings on his on his deal right wasn't it like you know like it was his cap charge was like 14 million dollars and it was only like two or three million in dead cap until this this recent you know bonus or you know situation hit his contract so that was the weird part for me was that he's still here and that they they let that hit that and it, it can only mean they're either going to keep him somehow and he's going to find somewhere somewhere else to live or um, he's gonna, or he's gonna be traded at some point here. Now the Cook thing is interesting because, yeah, I think Ben's right. I mean, Ben knows way more than I do about this, but I don't think Madison comes back here if he's gonna be in that same role. And it just kind of like anecdotally, I just remember um, O'Connell talking pretty highly about Madison on a few separate occasions last year, just like stuff he did in games. And it was, you know, maybe there was a run. It was maybe it was a, a screen he took for a touchdown. Or it was like a, a tough run he took in and, and it kept him out of a, a third and goal situation, something like that. But I think Kevin O'Connell likes Alexander Madison and maybe he likes Dalvin cook too, and wouldn't mind having both of them again. And in, in a different kind of split, but yeah, I, I, I think Madison has got to be the guy going into the season. It, it just doesn't make any sense otherwise. Yeah, Ben, the additions, the pieces of the running game we know we're going to be here for sure, 100%, in terms of Madison, Josh Oliver, C.J. Ham, the, the tackles they've got. This, to me, says that they want to implement more of a uh, power running game, not necessarily in the scheme, but in just the physical ability to move people. Yeah, yeah, they had a hard time doing that last year. I mean, they had a hard time getting a yard when they needed a yard. I mean, the short, the you know, third and short goal line running game was not good for a lot of the year and they had a hard time getting more than a yard when they ran on first down. I mean, Kevin O'Connell talked about that at the combine wanting more efficiency in the running game. He said, if you get me to second and five, the whole world opens up. I can do whatever I want. And you have guys you can move around. You have a quarterback that then doesn't feel like he's under pressure quite as much. Um, Yeah. Just things get a lot easier when it's second and five. So I, I think some of it is, being able to run more efficiently on first downs and the efficiency numbers in terms of uh, how much progress did you make toward a new set of downs? Alexander Madison's 75 carries or whatever it was were more effective than Dalvin cooks and Dalvin cook was over 200 carries. And it's hard to sit and say it's apples to apples, but that does I think linger in people's minds a little bit. So when we hear Kevin O'Connell say good things about Alexander Madison and he's talking about efficiency, I mean, this is a little bit of, of circumstantial evidence, but it does make you wonder, uh, is he seeing that as this is a, a solution to this problem? If, if I give Madison more carries and he's more efficient, at just getting me four or five yards when I need it. Is that kind of what they're thinking? I, I, uh, I, I I just you mentioned the cap charges at that position. They do want to run it more. I think I think they want to be able to move people, like you said. I feel like it's still going to be a team that throws the ball sixty five percent of the time and likes to line up in eleven personnel or at least uh, likes to throw maybe more out of twelve personnel. But I still think they're going to throw a lot, and um, it it just seems a little odd if you're going to. 
uh, keep all these backfield members here at that price to think you're going to throw that much. Yeah, and who's who's the third receiver? Uh, the top free agent receivers right now are Isaiah McKenzie, who was cut by the Bills, DJ Shark, uh, whom Keenan McCardell would know from Jacksonville, Mecole Hardman, the former Chiefs speedster. Um, there's some guys out there, but I, I don't necessarily think that you're going to be finding many, you know, three down threats right now that are, I don't know, super reliable. Maybe I'm wrong in free agency, but they need bodies at that wide receiver spot because right now it's Jalen Rieger and Jalen Naylor. Yeah. Behind Osborne and and Jefferson. Because BC Johnson's a free agent. Adam Thielen is in Carolina. Um, The Vikings are stocking up with tight ends, fullbacks and running backs. So Mike, they very well just might establish the run and unleash uh, Justin Jefferson and one wide receiver sets. You never know. You never know. We're back to that. <laughs> uh, I don't know what they're thinking, but it, it's the the Smith and the the Dalvin stuff is just kind of puzzling at this point. Maybe there's a, a grand plan. They seem to have a plan for a lot of this stuff, but those those are still sticking with me. Like, a how are they under the cap without that? And B what what exactly are they doing there? The the reason they're under the cap. The answer to that question is something we don't have yet. But okay. The, I mean, everybody kind of asks about this and just to be clear, you cannot, and I, I had to learn this too, because I, I thought at one point it, it could float. You cannot be over the cap at any time. Once the league year is yeah. going, you have to be under the cap it is a hard cap. It's not, you know, some leagues have the, the softer cap, then the, the pay luxury tax. You can't be over the cap. The NFL will not approve your contracts if you're over the cap. So they have done something to get under the cap. I, I think they need like two and a half million dollars. Um, so they, they probably has been a restructure or something to that effect that we just haven't seen yet publicly uh, that has to get done. And the other thing to note is that a lot of these deals have been agreed to and not signed, which means they have not officially hit the cap. So when we talk about Marcus Davenport's cap numbers, we are looking at that from information we have about the terms that were agreed to. I don't believe Davenport has been on the transaction wire yet. So that means the deal is not signed officially. So that, that gives them a little bit of time to fudge this, but we're not talking about uh, having weeks before they figure this out. Either they are going to make a move very soon or they have already done it and we just haven't figured it out yet. But you you can't be over the cap. So they have to have an answer for this thing that just hasn't been shared publicly yet. And they only have 65 players. They need 25 more to fill out their training camp roster, including yeah. an entire draft class to sign. And obviously the top 51 rule applies, as everybody knows, for the uh, offseason rosters. But still, it requires more money to fill out what they currently have. Um, so some moves need to be made. There's some log jams on this roster as we talked about before we go, um, what has stood out to you guys about free agency? What stood out to me so far is that Aaron Rodgers' darkness retreat has not led to the immediate results that I was hoping it would. And the lions might just run things for a while. Uh, I, I like the moves the lions have made here. Uh, Ben, what has stood out to you? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think the lions, you make a good point. I, I think if, and we kind of both felt this way at the end of the season. Like you might look at the Lions as the weird as it is to say, the presumptive favorite in the NFC North. Not a strong favorite because it's there's still something they have to figure out. But yeah, you look at them as certainly a contender to win the division in 2023. I guess the other one for me, and this is not free agency specifically, but it is NFC North related. 
The Bears making the trade they made to deal back from number one to number nine. Ryan Poles has made no bones about the fact that this is a tear it down, rebuild. We want to have draft capital. We want to have money to spend when we are ready to go. And they have committed to that. They've continued to stockpile draft picks. They've got you know, boatloads of cash to spend. And uh, it, it has been interesting to watch that because that, of course, Brian Poles was the other candidate for the Vikings uh, general manager job last year. And in the Bears, from what I understand, outbid the Vikings when they were talking to all of these candidates. And and Kwesi Adolfo Mensa was, you know, the, those were the two finalists for the job. And I, I can't remember if Adolfo Mensa was talking to the Bears as well. But the, when you're doing this, you're talking through offers around the same time that you're bringing guys in for the interviews. Because at that point, those are your finalists. It's going to be one of those people. And and from what I understand, the Bears came in and made an awfully strong offer to Poles. And Poles takes the job, never gets here for an interview. But that approach has been pretty committed to the full rebuild. So... Um, how it works out, we'll have to see, but that's been interesting to watch because it, it is quite a bit different. I mean, the Vikings are still kind of doing this competitive rebuild thing where it's let's get younger, but let's not tear the whole thing down. Let's still try to sign guys that are proven professionals. So, you know, we build from there, but it has been interesting to watch the bears go about it. And it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out in the end. The, the division is going through a lot of changes right now, more so than it has in a long time. And it's not just because of what's going on in Green Bay. Yeah, the Lions totally remade their secondary, adding Cam Sutton from Pittsburgh, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson from Philly, um, Emmanuel Mosley from San Francisco. And that was probably one of their weakest spots, as you saw Adam Thielen get flagged five times in a game against them last year. Mike, what do you think about uh, just the, the way that the landscape shifted so far? Yeah, I think the Lions are, like you said, the presumptive favorites next season. The the, the Rodgers stuff has been interesting, to, to say the least, just watching this drag out and just kind of the kind of the leverage that maybe Green Bay now has to to get more <clears throat> in that deal, just because everybody knows that this has got to get done at some point, but Green Bay doesn't have to do it until they're satisfied with what they're getting, so maybe they can um you know extract a little bit more with it where'd Rogers say they're digging in their heels a little bit that was interesting that was him late last week I think um whatever day I saw you guys at the combine and I or not the combine the draft the pro day um and you know with that, that the Rogers uh appearance on McAfee was happening at the same time and you guys were uh, kind of groaning at Rogers and just the ongoing saga of of Aaron Rodgers but uh yeah, I, I just it's it's an it's a it's a division in transition. I I don't know fully what to make of it. I don't you know the Lions could still be the Lions, and I don't think we can totally disregard the Vikings. You know, in twenty twenty three, just because I don't think they're losing quite as much as as we thought they would in terms of of personnel. But there's a lot of holes on the roster right now, and Green Bay is going to have some holes, especially you know when we don't know what the quarterback situation is going to look like for them. So. Lions are the favorite, and in Chicago could be interesting at some point um, with with all this capital they've gotten, and you know they got they got some wide receiver help in that trade too. They they they're going to give they're going to give Justin Fields a chance at some point to it to actually uh, to actually show what he can do. And eventually, it'll be the Jordan Love era at some point in Green Bay. Eventually, Ben Aaron says he doesn't want to drag it out. He's seen Brett Favre <laughs> do that. He would he would never drag it out. I think when Brett Favre retired the first time, now. 
that obviously didn't last, but I, I think the, uh, Hey, I'm retiring. I'm leaving green Bay press conference was well before we are with Aaron Rodgers Now I think it was early yes. March and we are March 20th. We're recording this and we are still in the darkness as it were about when the end of Aaron Rodgers time in green Bay is going to be not that any of us are wishing for that to happen, but <laughs> I wouldn't um, wait for it. And Aaron certainly isn't wishing for, a resolution to the uncertainty um, anytime soon because he no. seems to enjoy the spotlight of all of this. But we may get there at some point, and then uh, at that point, the Jordan Love era will begin, and we'll be able to figure out what that means for the division. Don't they have to decide on Jordan Love's like twenty million dollar fifth year option in like a month? Yeah, they do, uh, but that's for twenty twenty four. Yeah, I know, I know it is, but yeah. It's... Yes, they will have to pick that up here. Uh, I think it's by typically by May second that they will, no surprise, will pick that up. Yes. Uh, the Vikings will also be picking up the fifth year option of their 2020 first round pick. Justin uh, Jefferson. Archie yeah. has learned. I, I, I that's a, a <laughs> I cheap, do. Uh, <laughs> limb to jump out on yeah, there. Clerical <laughs> error on Quasi's <laughs> part if he did not. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, we got that one up. We got to email PFT. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Access Vikings podcast. Uh, please check out all of our work at startribune.com and uh, download the podcast wherever you get podcasts.